When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Ray Sports Rant. Appreciate y'all. Let's change up this music, shall we? Yeah. It's over and I'm making mistakes. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is Ray Rowe. Welcome to Ray Sports Rant. Here for you. Coming at you from the Dean Blundell Network. DeanBlundell.com. I am the overly proud sports director. Follow us on Twitter at DBlundellNet. And uh, follow me on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray. Make sure you check out my YouTube channel if you already don't. You dig. Who's got next? YouTube channel. You can also look up Ray Route and uh, download Ray Sports Rant wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google, all those places. You also find it at DeanBundell.com. This episode is sponsored by nobody. Okay, uh, a lot I want to talk about today. I'm going to be talking about the World Cup and FIFA being one of the most corrupt organizations in the world. I'm going to talk a little bit about Alfonso Davies and the absolute nightmare that Canada is going to be going through right now. We're going to talk about Mitchell Miller. We're going to talk about Cole Beasley, Bill Belichick, the Bills bandwagon, and one of the toughest jaws you've ever seen in your entire life. Let's do it. You want to talk about sport? Yeah, I do. Let's talk about sport. Let's go. All right, before we get started, I think I want to address last night's show. For those of you who watched it live, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you won't be able to find it. But what I'm going to tell you is, is I went into a dark place last night and I arrived to the podcast in no condition to be live. Shout out to producer Mike, one of my best friends in the world, who recognized I should not be on my podcast alone and joined me for an hour and a half of absolute nonsense. 
Uh, I had a bad week and I was weak. I believe that I have strong emotional intelligence, but I let it get to me last night and I participated in some what I call self-harm and self-damage by consuming a lot of alcohol, maybe taking a little bit of narcotics and, uh, well, not narcotics, marijuana, but um, I'm embarrassed by my performance and behavior last night. Uh, I was reminded today by somebody much wiser than me that when people look up my podcast or look for me, they're looking for Ray, not the version you saw last night. That is not a version of me that is a regular appearance in this world. And it's not one that you will ever see again across any of my platforms or the Dean Blundell network. And I just want to say to my audience, I apologize for that piss poor performance by me last night. And I promise you, promise you, promise you, you will never see that again. I know it was fun. I know that people thought it was hilarious, but what I was really doing was participating again in self-destruction and um, I don't have a problem or nothing like that. It doesn't happen on a regular basis, but but you know, you should never, ever, 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 um, you should never try to drink your problems away. And I'm sitting here right now looking at the mess I left that I probably should have cleaned up. And again, I'm embarrassed by my, my performance and my behavior in my state last night. So thank you for those who watched. Thank you for those who participated and thank you for those who forgive me. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, well, you trust me, you're not missing anything, but me making a complete and total ass out of myself. So thank you for that. All right, let's get into this. I didn't know where to start, but I'm going to start with this because this is the news that absolutely broke my heart today. Uh, as I tweeted out, I said, I'm actually in tears, hamstring recoveries anywhere between three to eight weeks. The world cup starts in two weeks. My nightmare week just got a little bit worse. And what that means is Alfonso Davies left Bayern Munich's game today with what Julian Nagelsmann in his uh, post-game press conference said was a muscle tear in his hamstring. And that is an absolute nightmare scenario for Team Canada with the World Cup two weeks away. Now, normally when I am watching a Bayern Munich game, I'm watching it through the eyes of a Bayern fan. But when I saw Alfonso Davies slowly roll that ball out, lean over and call for the medical staff and immediately seen the referee give this signal for substitution, my heart sank and I almost, I didn't well up, but I got pretty close to it because at that moment I realized there's a good opportunity that Alfonso Davies will not be participating in the World Cup this uh, November. And it's heartbreaking. Best case scenario due to that I found on my research, which is Dr. Google, is that it's a slight tear. And it'll be a three-week recovery before he can return to the pitch and possibly return for Canada if they were to do a deep run into the knockout stages. Worst case scenario is six to eight weeks before returning to the pitch. The probability that Alfonso Davies is going to be playing for Team Canada is almost nil. And it's heartbreaking for him. It's heartbreaking for Canada. It's heartbreaking for everybody. I know that Davies wanted to be a part of this. We saw his excitement when Team Canada qualified for the World Cup. You know, when I think of my reaction to it, I don't know. I have waited my entire life, literally, for Canada to go to a World Cup. The last time that Canada participated in the World Cup was one month before I was born. So I've literally waited 36 years, and now Canada has to tackle it without their best player. And it's heartbreaking for the country. It's heartbreaking for Davies. It's heartbreaking for the fans. And I'm just, uh, I'm gutted like the rest of you. And I, I wish that I was coming in with better news today, but it doesn't look good. We, we avoided it. 
and now we didn't avoid it and it sucks. But let's talk a little bit more about FIFA. So Casey Telford put this out today, said at Messi, add Messi to the list. Woof, World Cup in club season, ladies and gentlemen, may it never be moved. And it's based on this image right here that says players who have been ruled out of the World Cup or at risk of missing it out. Emil Smith-Rowe, Nicola Conte, Paul Pogba, Timo Werner, Georgino Wijoldum, Pedro Nito, and Diego Jota. And you can look at the people who are at risk. you got Pepe on there. you got Kyle Walker, Reese James. I mean, some very, very big names. Leroy Sané. And you can now add Alfonso Davies to more than likely out and Lionel Messi to the at risk. And I'm going to say this. Good on FIFA. Good on the most corrupt organization in all of professional sports. The reason that this tournament is happening in November is because this tournament is in Qatar. Now, if Qatar were to maybe, I don't know, come across the World Cup legally without bribes, perhaps maybe I could forgive this. But what are you doing having a World Cup in the middle of November? Why are you putting it in a country where they can't play in the summer and in the offseason? And right now, what I'm saying is, is I'm a little bit torn, both as a, a fan of country, which is obviously my home country of Canada, and my ancestry of Germany. I will cheer for both of those countries, Canada over Germany, by the way, just so everybody knows if they were to play each other. But we're now, but the World Cup is also for us to watch the best football players in the world. And we don't get to do that because FIFA decided that they were going to take bribes and they were going to give it to Qatar, who has a terrible history of human rights and play it mid-season, and here we are. Possibly missing some of the greatest stars in the world. Possibly watching one of the most corrupt countries in the world host a tournament by the most corrupt governing body. FIFA should be ashamed of themselves, and they're kind of getting what they get. I hope that this is the lowest-rated World Cup ever, and it's such a knock to the most beautiful sport in the world. I love this game. I love this tournament. I love everything about it. I look at what Team Canada's qualification to the tournament has done for football in this country. I see the young kids excited. I see the Davies jerseys, the Osorio jerseys, the Jonathan jerseys. Being here in Toronto with the explosion of TFC, especially since they became competitive and won a championship a few years ago, the game continues to grow. Our women's side is still dominating. Christine St. Clair just winning a championship in the Women's League in the United States. The game, the most beautiful game in the world, finally has Canadian presence in it on the men's side. The women have been in a good spot for years. Gold medal at the last Olympics. Bronze, the two before that. Next step is a World Cup. They had Christine St. Clair, who at one time could have arguably been the first or second best player in the world. Canada did nothing to promote her. And now we have the opportunity to showcase the best players in the world. And because of FIFA's stupidity, they're not all going to be there. If the tournament was played when it was supposed to be played, Alfonso Davies would be there, right? In July, he was healthy. He's not going to be there because it's in Qatar. And it's in Qatar because of the corruption of FIFA. It's gross. FIFA's gross. And again, I hope that this hurts them. They need to start making better decisions. They need to start looking at what's right for the game. Because at the end of the day, as excited as I am for the World Cup, I'm going to be real with everybody. 
Champions League means a lot more to me than the World Cup right now. Because after a month, we're going to get right back into the season. We've had to watch the Champions League group stages rushed, everything being rushed. Bundesliga has an English week this week because, well, you know, you got to fit in games before the World Cup that's being played in November. It's ridiculous. Maybe a breakaway league's not bad. Maybe a bunch of the great countries just separate and get away from the governing body. All right, time to move on. I want to show you the strongest jaw that you're ever going to see. This video came across my Twitter feed today, and I was just mind blown. I just want you to watch this right now. For those of you on the podcast or on the podcast, she just cracked her in the face with the bat. That girl just held up, stands on her feet, nails her again in the jaw with the baseball bat, a third time with the baseball bat. This young lady took three full swings from a baseball bat to the face and just stood there. Didn't wobble, didn't weeble, didn't nothing. You understand how strong you are? I've watched grown men go down with a slap to the face in the Russian slap league. I mean, you can hear the crack. I don't know if you can hear it on the podcast. I can hear it on my thing. I mean, it just, it dings. It's an aluminum baseball bat, and it just rallies out. Okay, I'm not going to show this anymore because it's, I'm going to get in trouble on YouTube. But is that not one of the more insane things that you have ever seen? Again, if you are listening to the podcast, the audio version, and not watching the video version, go to at, at Alex Benham, A-L-E-X-B-E-U-B-E-H-U-N-I-N. He's got the video on there. And I mean, that's a chin. That, that's got to be a pro boxer. You're sitting there taking a baseball bat to the chin over and over and over again. Un <laughs> unreal. Absolutely unreal. I, I wanted to just share that video very quickly because it was one of the, the, the best things that I ever seen. All right, I'm going to share this tweet that I saw from my, from my guy, Shakiri Wrights, who said, Angry doesn't even begin to describe how I feel about the NHL Bruins signing defenseman Mitchell Miller. No, he does not deserve a second chance in the NHL or with the Boston Bruins for that fact of the matter. And I'm not going to play you what he said. If you want to see what Shakiri said, go to follow him on Twitter, at Shakiri Wrights, S-H-U-R. K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S. I'm not going to steal his content. I just stole his post. So I could read about it. And I want to talk about Mitchell Miller. I did write about this over on DeanBlundell.com. And it just seems like every time Canada, or sorry, not Canada, every time hockey takes a step forward, every time hockey starts to say, okay, we're going to become more progressive, something, someone, somewhere does something to take them back 10 steps. The way I worded it in my article was Canada shuffles forward half a step and they take six steps backwards. Anybody who doesn't know who Mitchell Miller is, he was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes in 2020. They then gave up his rights for him because it came out that when he was 14 years old, he bullied one of his classmates, an African-American kid with Down syndrome, I believe, or some sort of autistic um, disability. Uh, per repeatedly, using racial slurs towards him and going as far as making him lick things that have come out of urinals. This poor kid had to go through HIV test, hep test, all this different type of stuff. He was convicted of it. He admitted to it. He talks about growing and all that kind of things. The Cam Neely came out and said, well, he's going to be, you know, an example of now not to be having out of bounce back. The Boston Bruins players, the coaching staff all disagreed with the signing. They all came out and spoke out against it today because they're good individuals. That's a great locker room that they have there in Boston. I don't 
I don't like hockey. Everybody knows that. I hate the culture of hockey. I hate hockey dudes. I played hockey until I was 25 years old, and I absolutely fucking hate the sport because of this kind of bullshit, because of these kind of players. There are people in life who don't deserve second chances. Mitchell Miller deserves a second chance to try to start a new life and play another or, or do something else in life, get a job, teach people of his experiences, that type of thing. Mitchell Miller does not it does not deserve the opportunity to play professional sports. That's fucking ridiculous. He's living out the dream that thousands and millions of Canadians and Americans and Europeans live wanting to make it to the National Hockey League. He now gets an opportunity when he's a racist bully. No, you don't you lose that privilege. Because that's what it is. It's a privilege, not a right. It's a privilege. I don't care how good you are. It's an absolute privilege to play professional hockey. And when you act in that kind of manner, when you decide that you're going to be fucking racist, when you decide that you're going to be a bully, when you're going to make a kid lick shit that comes out of a urinal, force a kid who's got like who's autistic to have to go through all of these different tests, when you're just going to be a miserable person and ruin somebody else's life on purpose, you do not deserve the luxury of being able to play hockey. It's bullshit. He should not be in the NHL. And I just, fuck Cam Neely and fuck the Boston Bruins. Where the fuck do you get off thinking that this kid deserves a second chance? And when your own players, your captain, Patrice Bergeron comes out, he's like, no, he wouldn't fit in our locker room. He wouldn't be welcome. The coach is like, uh, I had nothing to do with this decision. Do you realize, Neely, that your players and your coach are trying to distance themselves from you? This is just a fucking meathead who doesn't understand the culture of his locker room which I got to say the Boston Bruins locker room is probably one of the fucking best in the NHL from what I know. Why is this kid getting a second opportunity? It's gross. I'm just, I'm fucking disgusted by it. And all right. Like I, I just got to move on from this shit. Um, it's gross and you know, it's gross. I know it's gross and, and we're just gonna, we're going to move on and hope that nothing good ever happens to Mitchell Miller. Uh, Gary Bettman came out today and said that, you know, there's no guarantee this kid is ever going to play in the NHL. He's still not eligible to play in the NHL, and I hope that Gary stands his ground and doesn't let him play. I, I saw this tweet today because Dan Schulman's going to be calling his final World Series game for ESPN, and he said the pleasure's been all his. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I don't think that Toronto Blue Jay fans actually understand how lucky we have been the last couple of seasons to have the combination of Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez. I don't know if Buck's going to be back next year, but we're talking about one of the most dynamic broadcasting duos in professional baseball. Dan Schulman's voice, I mean, he's he's been the sound the backdrop for a lot of things. You know, when I think of Schulman too, I always think of the day that US actually uh, captured or captured caught and neutralized Osama bin Laden and what was it the Phillies and the Mets and Shulman got the opportunity to tell the people watching the game what had happened that magical moment of the USA chance across the stadium one of the things that I will remember for the rest of my life I didn't see it live but you saw like I mean I'll remember I was I remember when they got 
uh, Obama or uh, Obama Osama. But uh, when I started seeing the videos of what happened there, and then then I think uh, they did like a, a twenty on twenty on ESPN for about it, or thirty on thirty. I mean, on ESPN, uh, it was just absolutely phenomenal. That was Dan Shulman, Blue Jay fans. We are so lucky to have that duo, and we've been able to watch them for so long. And I just wanted to give a, t- a hat tip to Shulman for his work on ESPN for calling all those World Series, and just tell him how much I appreciate him being a part of the Blue Jays broadcast team and the Blue Jays organization. Uh, where do I want to go next? Let's go here. Let's go back to football a little bit. Uh, I got two sort of positive subjects off one negative. So I'll go positive, negative, positive. We'll call it a positivity sandwich. My guy, Lawrence Owen, go check him out on Colts law on YouTube, the Colts law podcast. Also the believe in Colts podcast host. Uh, he tweeted out bill Belichick always impresses me with his knowledge. He basically named off the entire Colts football team from stars down to special team guys like Brown and flowers. It's going to be a challenge for Reich and Bradley to surprise him at all on Sunday. And listen, I've been kind of critical of bill Belichick this season. I have come out and finally said I maybe it's time for Bill Belichick to walk away. Our boy Kevin Gerard came out here on the podcast on Thursday and said, you know, it's time for him to go. The longer that Bill Belichick stays in the NFL, the longer he is separated from Brady, the worst he kind of looks, right? It takes away a bit of his quote-unquote goat status. For me, it was the more I'm upset with Belichick, more from the status of the personnel decisions he made with the coaching staff. I'm not necessarily dogging on the player decisions. I mean, Cole Strange was a bit of a weird one at the, you know, at the draft, but it seemed to have been working out this year. But I'm talking about like Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running the offense. I'm talking about his kid running the defense, his other kid somewhere else, bringing in a whole bunch of yes men. That was for me like where maybe the arrogance comes in or, you know, the ego of Bill, like he doesn't want to bring in somebody who, you know, is going to challenge him because he's Bill Belichick. And if you don't understand Bill Belichick's culture, it is what it is. That's been my issue with Bill Belichick this year. When it comes to the X's and the O's, Bill Belichick is still a fucking genius. I still respect the things he does. Now, Mike McDaniel got the best of him, but besides that, you can't say that Bill Belichick has been outcoached. His players have not been able to execute. The quarterback play has been terrible this year. They're not relying on the run game enough. That's on Matt Patricia. But when it comes to, when you look at what Bailey Zappi was able to do, against the Green Bay Packers and what he was able to do in Mac Jones's absence, you see how Bill Belichick is still a genius of the game. And I have so much respect for the X's and O's of Belichick. I would love for him to give up his general manager duties and just focus on football. If Bill Belichick could just focus on football, I don't think we'd be having any conversations about maybe it's time for Bill to hang it up. But at 70 years old, having full and total control of the Patriots organization, I just don't like the direction New England is going, but of course there's never going to be an opera. There's never going to be a time or a place that the crafts, Robert or Jonathan step in and tell bill, Hey, you can't have control of this. You can have control of that. Yada, yada, yada. And then I think Jonathan Kraft just came out a couple of weeks ago and said that Bill Belichick has earned the right to lead the organization whenever he wants, which means we're probably talking 0 and 17 seasons as much as that's not going to happen. But as much as Robert Kraft is going to grit his teeth, Bill Belichick has done enough, brought in enough hardware for the for the organization that he can stay. But I 100% agree with Lawrence when it comes to how bright he is because he is super, super smart, and he's still amazing when it comes to the X's and O's. So let's go from one 
asshole to the biggest asshole, and that's a former Buffalo Bill, former Dallas Cowboy, Cole Beasley. Now, Cole Beasley is under fire because after taking almost an entire month, I think more than a month off from Twitter, he came out with a vengeance on Thursday or Friday supporting Kyrie Irving, who had anti, who made anti-Semitic comments, and Cole Beasley has been completely controversial, especially throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. I always talk about vac you know the vaccine and say this is what it is i don't call people who don't get vaccinated in my mind are not anti-vaxxers that's what i always say they are not anti-vaxxers anti-vaxxers are the fucking dicks that are screaming at kids that they're gonna die if they get the vaccines that's a dickhead anti-vaxxer someone who's like hey man i don't want to put that poison in my body or my kid's body i'm like hey fuck man all the power to you i'm vaxxed you're not who gives a fuck let's go have a beer and hang out i'm not gonna not hang out i was hanging out with people who weren't vaccinated just the other day that's the way it is. I don't give a shit. It's the fucking vocal on both sides. I hate the ultra vax as well. They're like, Oh, you've got to get vaccinated. You're not allowed in, in, you know, out in public, like fuck off. It's people's decision whether they want to get vaccinated or not. We all know the vaccines are to protect you, not others, whatever. Fuck off. Cole Beasley was an asshole on Twitter, about it though, then he comes out and he's an asshole this week. This one made me laugh though. Right? So this guy uh, at TJ, TJB four zero three one writes, not a single person disliked Cole Beasley before today. He was universally liked. Fast slot guy, extremely underrated. Fantasy owners have a soft spot for him too. Now everybody has something bad to say about him, further proving his original point. He then followed up by saying, be yourself and also come out of retirement. Who liked Cole Beasley? When? Was Cole Beasley universally liked? I have never seen a player more universally hated outside of maybe Deshaun Watson and Michael Vick. Cole Beasley has been a dickhead for years. But I mean, throughout the pandemic, he just one bad person after another. The bullshit that he was saying was ridiculous. Where do you get off saying he was universally liked? I knew so many people who hated Cole Beasley, despised Cole Beasley, thought that Cole Beasley was a prick. And I wrote, I tweeted this yesterday too. I was like the Bills fans who were fainting shock that he would come out and support an anti-Semitic rhetoric. I mean, have, fuck, were you living on Mars? Or were you distracted by the Buffalo Bills helmet that he was wearing? And I understand you're always going to stick up for your guys, right? You see it in Cleveland right now. People have sold their soul for Deshaun Watson. Ah, who gives the fuck if he's a sexual predator? He's going to win us the Super Bowl in Cleveland. That's exactly what their mentality is. Buffalo's like, hey, who cares if Cole Beasley's a big fucking asshole? He's going to win us the Super Bowl in Buffalo. Now he's not a Bill, and everybody's like, whoa, 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 this is Cole Beasley? I didn't know Cole Beasley was like this. The rest of the fucking NFL knew he was like that. The rest of the NFL fan bases knew he was like that. Everybody knows that Cole Beasley's an asshole. I also saw some tweets going around that there are some uh, people out there that have uh, text messages between Bill's teammates who have confirmed that they weren't, they didn't fucking like Beasley. Um, listen, Cole Beasley, shut the fuck up. And I love how Beasley was running around talking about like he quit professional sports because he couldn't be outspoken about bullshit as if he had a fucking choice. He went to Tampa and they fucking sent his ass home. Like you're no good anymore. You're washed up. That's why when you got cut by Buffalo, nobody was interested in you. You couldn't play with Tom Brady who desperately needs a receiver to catch the football. And you couldn't crack the team. And you think it was your decision not to play professional football anymore? That is so laughable in my mind. I just, I can't get over it. Fuck you, Cole Beasley. All right, last one of the day. And 
I'm going to say this right now. I'm a New England Patriots fan. You can see all the swag behind me. Love the Pats. I'm also a Bayern Munich fan. Uh, two teams that are historically are winners. Now, the Patriots aren't winners anymore or at the moment. Bayern still is. I am like very well aware of the bandwagon. I saw the bandwagon load up for 20 years and I watched it completely unload, you know, when Tom Brady left and after they had a bad season with Cam Newton saw it unload a little bit more. And when Mac Jones looks like maybe he's not the guy that we thought he was going to be, it's unloaded even more. And that gives it, that always brings up the debate. Can you be a bandwagon fan? Is it okay to be a bandwagon fan? I say kind of. If you became a fan of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they won their Super Bowl back in the early 2000s and you're still a Bucs fan, then yeah, you bandwagon back then, but you stuck through them through some pretty shitty times. If you became a Patriots fan for 15 years and then jumped ship to Tampa after Brady left, no, you're fucking bandwagon. It's no good. Now, nobody was lining up to support the Buffalo Bills outside of the Bills Mafia faithful. I will say, I hate the Buffalo Bills football team. I fucking love Bills Mafia. Now, my girl, Kristen Kimmick, the queen of the 716, a regular here on Race Sports Rant, a regular on Who's Got Next, a part of the Dean Blundell Network, all that good stuff. Love you, Kristen. She tweeted out, one thing about me is that I'll never gatekeep someone from wanting to join Bills Mafia. The more, the merrier. Whatever the reason for jumping the wagon doesn't matter. The whole ass vibe that makes doing good things look cool and the world could sure use more of that. Go Bills. Let me tell you something, Kristen. Don't open yourself up for this because I'm going to tell you right now, I witnessed this thousands and thousands and thousands of times. The more people you let in, the less cool the Buffalo Bills will become. It's just a warning to you. See, right now, the Buffalo Bills have this great sort of vibe. They have this great fan base. And they were a fucking great fan base before they were good. The table jumping, the Bills Mafia, the way of life. Leslie, who, you know, one of the ones who coined it, Del Delria, like all these fucking, all these, you know, kings and queens and princes and princesses and, and the, the OGs of Bills Mafia are fucking awesome. The more the bandwagon loads, it's going to change the culture of your fan base. It's going to maybe not at the tailgates at first. It's going to change it online, though. It's going to change a lot of things. I wouldn't necessarily be welcoming everybody to your fan base. I wouldn't necessarily be opening up the bandwagon. Because just because people are jumping on a winner, just because people are becoming a big fan of Josh Allen, doesn't mean they're going to embrace the Bills Mafia way. You know, Patriots fans, there was a time that we were all united and we were humble and we were this and we were that. By the end of it, we're one of the most toxic fan bases in the NFL. Why? Because we became so accustomed to winning. We became so accustomed to things going right. When things go bad, we just turn on each other. And that was happening in the Brady era. That was happening on Super Bowl years. Because people can't handle controversy when you're just used to perfection. I'm telling you right now, you may enjoy bringing the bandwagon in when the Bills look like the best team in football, when the Bills look like the best team since the 2007 Patriots, but you're not going to like it when it turns. Believe me, Bills fans, believe me, Mafia, I've been there with this. It does come to an end. There was once a time in my life I believed and never thought there would be a chance that the New England Patriots wouldn't be at the top of the league. I mean, I knew deep down in the back of my mind, I was, I was like, it's going to happen one day, but I never thought I'd see the day. It's kind of like dying, right? We all know we're going to die. We just never think we're going to see the day it actually happens. I have an unhealthy fear of death, by the way, so now I'm going to be thinking about this all night. However, 
it's going to go bad again one day. And you're going to hate the bandwagon. You're going to hate the people that came in when times were good. Because you're going to see them unload. You're going to see them criticize some of your favorite players. You're going to see them trash the team. As my boy producer Mike says, Patriot fans stick together while we're winning. When we're not, well, we suck. There we go. Feel better tonight. Thank you to everybody who uh, tuned in to Ray Sports Rant. Again, my name is Ray Rout. We are here for the Dean Blundell Network at DeanBlundell.com. I try to come out every single day. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes I will. Go check out. Dropped a couple of blocks today. Talked about Mitch Miller and I talked about Alfonso Davies. Go check those out. Uh, make sure you check out the uh, Who's Got Next YouTube page. That's where you can find Ray's Sports Rant. You can also find it on my private YouTube channel, Ray Rout. Private. Personal, I guess. Uh, you can also find Ray Sports Rant on the Dean Blundell Twitter page at DBlundellNet. Follow me on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray. A lot of satire, a lot of fun. Just having a good time. Follow me on Instagram at Ray Routes. Uh, clips of the show. Mirror selfies of me. A lot of fun stuff. Videos come out. Good, good time. Uh, check out our Patreon account. Patreon.com slash DPN Sports. Every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Mario, Connor, Mike, and myself go on and do some exclusive content there. It's five bucks a month. And you get an exclusive video. That's my favorite part of the song. It's when I get all jacked up. Let's just listen for a second. Make sure you download that podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, DeanBlindell.com. And uh, I don't think I got anything else to say. Stop the music for a second. Here's what I have to say. You heard me say a lot of things today. I talked about fan bases. I talked about Cole Beasley. I talked about Mitch Miller. I talked about a lot of things. And if there was anything I said today that maybe upset you, got you riled up, something you didn't like, well, all I got to tell you, you ain't seen nothing yet.
looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.